We are wrapping up this morning our series that we've been looking at for the last seven weeks. Today is week eight, uh, entitled Onward. And we've been studying the mission of the church. We've been studying what we are put here to do. And, and this, uh, this morning, as we wrap up, I just want, to, I want us to look at where we've been and, and just give a, a, a brief recap. And so we started by looking at uh, the fact that our God is on mission. And so uh, week one, we looked at the foundation of our mission is the fact that God himself is on mission, on a mission to save sinners. He's been doing that since the very beginning. Then after that, we saw the fuel for our mission is the worship of God. That God is glorified by people coming to know him. And so what should drive us is making him famous. Then we looked at how we as a church fit into that. We looked at the Great Commission. We looked at how we are to make disciples. We looked then, after that, how we uh, will accomplish that. And, and this is something that we don't need to miss as Baptists, okay? We, we accomplish the mission because the Holy Spirit empowers us to do it. He empowers us so that we will be His witnesses to the ends of the earth. Then we, we took a turn and we got really practical. We got really practical. And then we looked at how we must not be silent. We looked at the watchman, and we asked, will we be like the watchman in Ezekiel who holds up bloody hands of the people that we slay with our silence? Then we looked at how we must serve people. It's not just about telling people, but you have to serve them with acts of compassion. We should be people who our mission means also that we are caring for the poor. We're caring for the vulnerable. We're caring for the oppressed. Then last week, we looked at the fact that we must be involved. It takes every one of us and the gift that God has given us to accomplish this mission. He has gifted each one of us that we might serve. And then this week, we're going to look at the fact that we must pray for the mission. We must pray for the mission. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, so open your Bibles there. I invite you to turn there with me. And in Matthew chapter 9, you see Jesus saying something very peculiar. You think that he's just going to be, he's going to say, all right, go. But instead, he says, all right, pray. Join with me as, as we're uh, reading there in Matthew chapter 9, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 36. And Jesus had been traveling around healing people and, you know, doing his thing just to kind of give you some context of what he's doing here. And then there's, there's crowds around him, and this is what it says. When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we come once again in prayer. Lord, prayer is not just an add-on thing that we do. Prayer is the heart of it. It's the foundation of it. Because, Lord, the things that You've commanded us to do, we confess to You this morning that we are weak and unable to do it. We need Your power, Lord. We need Your presence, Lord. 
Lord, we can go and tell people all day long the Gospel. But Lord, we pray that You would empower our words. That people might hear it. And not just hear it coming from us, but they would hear words coming from You. And Lord, I pray this morning as we see this, that we, that we realize that before we can expect awakening and revival in our area, in Mount Carmel, in Florine, in Sabine Parish, Lord, help us to see that we have to be people who first fall on our faces and seek You in prayer and pray earnestly that You would send us. Pray earnestly that You would send laborers and that You would prepare the fields. Lord, we pray all of this in Your name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be really short this morning. Uh, and there's two things I want to highlight, okay? Two things that I want to highlight. And the first thing I want to point out is, is there in verse 36, and that is simply this, that Jesus understood the true need of people. Jesus understood the true need of people. Notice He saw the crowds and He feels compassion for them. And notice what it says there in the passage that's underlined. He feels compassion because He saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion because He saw their problem. And their problem, the text says, is they're harassed, they're helpless. And that literally means to be torn down and thrown down. Just the idea of brokenness. The idea of, of, of being thrown down. But notice why they're like this. He says because they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And I, I want to point out to you this morning the true tragedy of what we see happening here. Here are these crowds gathered around Christ like sheep without a shepherd when the true shepherd is standing in their midst. When the true shepherd is standing in their midst. How much of an irony for us today that there are so many people around us who are perishing without Christ who are perishing apart from the hope of the Gospel, when the true shepherd is standing in their midst, when we have the Gospel that can bring them hope, the only Gospel that can bring them hope. See, Jesus saw these people for what they really needed. And the question I have for us is, do we see those around us? Do we see their true need? Do we see their true need? And... and I just want to take this time to, to kind of correct us and redirect us because a lot of times we, we need to understand what their true need is. Their true need is not that they have certain political views. Their greatest need is not you know, temporal needs. Although we should be fighting for those. We should be helping people. But we've got to realize that's not the ultimate need that people have. We need to realize that it's not a moral framework. You know, we, we look around us and we say, well, this place would just be so much better and our, our culture would be so much better if people just had morals these days. But that's not the ultimate need. The ultimate need for our people today, just like it was for them back then, just as Jesus was physically standing in their midst, their need is for a shepherd. To know the shepherd. To know the one that can shepherd their souls, that can walk with them. 
that can restore them in a right relationship with God. It's not about politics. It's not about meeting temporal needs. It's not about uh, building a moral framework. It's all about bringing people into a relationship with the shepherd. That is the mission of the church. That is what we're about. And second question I have for you this morning is, do you know the shepherd? Do you know the shepherd? You know, we by our nature look for things to satisfy us. We look for things to bring us fulfillment. To bring us joy. And you might be here this morning and you might be looking for something outside of yourself to do this. You, know, you may be thinking, if only I had more money, then I would be okay. Then I would be happy. If only I had a better job, then, then I would be okay. If only I was more successful and had a better status, then things would be better for me. Or maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's, you know, if only I had the right person. If only the people around me were a certain type of people, then everything would be okay. Maybe if, if my situation, my circumstances around me were different, then everything would be alright. But can I tell you that what we miss when we do that is we start to think that the problem with us, with humanity, is outside of us. But in actuality, if that's you here today, let me tell you, the problem is not outside of you. It's not these situations. It's not these circumstances. The problem is internal. The problem is us. The problem is that we are sinners. The problem is that we have idols. And, and what is so ironic is all these things that we're looking for to fill our hearts with, to satisfy us, to fix us. All the while, God has sent someone into the world who could shepherd our souls to Him. And this morning, let me just tell you that you're not, we're not designed that way to fill our lives with these external things. We are designed, God has designed us to know Him. He has designed us not just to know Him, but to have joy and fulfillment in that relationship with Him. We are made for something more than money. We're made for something more than being successful. We're made for something more than relationships. We're made to know God. And the, what, we, what we need to realize here is that God makes that possible through the shepherd. He makes it possible through Christ. Christ came. He lived a life that we should have but could not live. Perfectly righteous. Perfectly according to design. Because He was God in the flesh. But don't miss this, that He died a death that we deserve to die. He lived a life that we should have lived, and He died the death that we deserved. And that if we turn to Him in faith and repentance, if we come to Him and we cling to Him, we turn away from everything else, we lay our idols down and we come and make Him the supreme treasure, He will save us. He will be our shepherd. He'll be the shepherd that walks through us in this life. Who makes us lie down in green pastures. Who leads us beside still waters. Who restores our soul. Even when we walk through most, the life's most difficult places. When we walk through the shadow of death, He will be with us. 
ultimately on into eternity when He will ultimately shepherd us into the presence of Almighty God and make us new again. The question this morning is not just, church, do we understand, do we know the need of people? But maybe there's some of you here this morning that you just need to know the shepherd. You need to know the shepherd. The second thing that I want to point out in this passage quickly is Jesus saw the people's need and He declared something. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest truly is plentiful. But the sad words came after that. But the laborers are few. The laborers are few. And we would expect, right, that after He says that, that He would say, alright, now what you need to do is you need to go. You need to be about the business of going. If the laborers really are few, then you need, to, you need to get to work, church. Now, of course, that is true. Don't get me wrong. We need to work, but we don't need to miss this elemental thing that He says. We expect Him to say, get after it, but He doesn't. He says what? He says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that He might send laborers into His harvest. Why does He say that? Why does He say that? And this is where I want to just park us for the rest of our time this morning. Why does He say that? Well, He says it, we see in other places, because He's the Lord of the harvest. Let's not forget, church, that it's His harvest. He's the one doing the work. He's the one drawing people to Himself. He's the one who is working in lost people's lives. And it's the same thing that the Apostle Paul says, is it not, in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but what does he say next? God gave the growth. And so it is. We might be the ones who initially share the gospel with somebody, and then somebody else may come along and lead them to Christ, you know, and lead them on, and somebody else may come along and disciple them, but ultimately it is God who is pulling them to Himself. God is the Lord over the harvest, and so church, listen. Listen. We need to remember as we go, as we share the Gospel, we must remember that it is not our harvest. We need to realize that we can't do this without Him. You can't just go share the gospel if the Spirit of God is not in there. Nothing's going to happen. And we could go from this place, listen, we could go from this place and share the gospel with everyone around us, but unless God is at work, unless God is at work, we're going to run into stony ground. And so we need to be people who realize that before we do anything, before we go, and as we're going, we must be people who are on our knees before God, begging Him to work in the harvest. Begging Him, not just to work in the harvest, but to send people to harvest. The harvest is so big, every one of us in this room could go in our parish and in our city and in our communities and could go and, and, and share the Gospel with people and share Christ with people. But unless God is at work, unless we're praying, we're going to need more people to come and join us and we need to pray that God would do that. And the picture that we have here is that we should beg God for awakening. 
it has been my prayer since I came here. My regular prayer that God would send revival to our city and to our parish. That it wouldn't just be a Mount Carmel thing, but that all the churches would come together and we would see great revival happen. That we would see awakening happen. That we would see a massive harvest. We would see massive, uh, you know, we would see people turning to the Lord and not just people who grew up in church, but I'm talking people who are far from God. This is what one pastor says, A.T. Pearson. He says, There has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. Church, we can go all we want to. And we should. But unless we fall on our knees before God, unless we fall on our knees before God, we're not going to see awakening happen. We're not going to see people come to know Him. Do you want to see revival happen in Florine? You want to see revival happen out here in the Mount Carmel community? In the Peace and community? You want to see it happen all over our parish? All over our state? Yes, even all over our nation. And when was the last time that we fell on our faces before God and begged Him to move? When was the last time that we begged Him? Realizing that He's the only hope that we have of this happening. So we're going to transition now. We're going to transition to a time. And I, I ask as we do this that you bow your heads with me. And that you begin to pray. As we call on people to voice these prayers for us. I pray and I, I hope that you will pray that God would move and that He would bring awakening around us. That He would move and that, that people around our church and the communities around us, that they would come to know Christ. That He would work in their hearts. But also, I hope that you would pray this morning, not just for that to happen, but I pray that, that you would pray for our church. That laborers would go into the field from our church. That God would move us from being inward focused to outward focused. That He would move us to compassion for people and He would move us to go. And not just in our church, but I also ask that you would pray for other churches as well. That we would all be united in our mission together. And I ask Ms. Pete if you would please come and pray for us. Father in heaven, Lord, we bow before you. Thanking you, Lord, for the things that you reveal to us, for the things that you bring back and get us back where we need to be. Lord, I lift our pastor up to you. I thank you for Brother Matt and his family, Lord, and for sending them to us. And Lord, for the, for the mission, um, for him being mission-minded. Father in heaven, I thank you that 
that at one time somebody was praying for me and reached out to me and came to me and touched me, Lord. I'm forever grateful. And Lord, as we bow before you and understand what you've said to us this morning, somebody's waiting on us, Lord. The ones on our prayer list, Lord, are waiting on us. Lord, help us not to be picky, not to be prejudiced, and not to leave anyone out. As we bow before you, Lord, acknowledging your power, as well as your empowerment, Lord. And help us to realize that we're important. You've called us and you're sending us out. And we've been charged. We've been charged this morning, Lord, to go and to accept our personal responsibility. So many times we say we, and it is we, but Lord, we need to make it personal. Me, Lord, send me. It's time. Lord, we thank you. As you call us, we know there's going to be opportunity. Open our eyes to it. Again, give us fresh each day that mission that you've got for us and that we've been charged with today. And Lord, I'm gonna thank you ahead of time for the things that we're gonna see right here in Mount Cornwall and Florine and as it's passed on. Forgive us where we fail you, Lord. We know you know us better than we know ourselves. And give us the, um, give us each the mission that you have for us personal. And then as we join together, Lord, Thank you for this day and be with us in Jesus' name. Our, our, our community around us, we want to pray for our church that we would be mission focused, that we would be evangelistic, that God would set our, our hearts on fire for that. And ask Brother Kevin if you would come and pray for us, please. God, we just come to you again, Father, in prayer. And God, we pray that uh, each and every one of us would understand that the mission to take your word belies every heart here, Father. Not one of us can walk out of here without having a responsibility to, to share your word with others, God, and to be, a, to be that light in the community, Father. And we pray that you would just burden us with that, Father. As well, God, we pray as a church as we humble ourselves before you and ask for courage and strength, God, because that's what it takes and something that we don't have. So we rely upon you, God, your Holy Spirit, to, to give us the strength to go out and to do what we should do, Father, to, to spread your word, to try to bring others here into this house to worship with us, Father, because we can gather here every week, Father, and praise and glorify your name, and that's great, but we know that unless we're bringing others, we're not doing our job. God, we pray for for wisdom. We pray for godly wisdom. We pray for the wisdom to to seek out those who are you preparing for us to follow the missions that you have us to to follow as a church and to 
do what you have us do, Father, because we know that we can, we can come up with a lot of things to do, Father, but the most important is to obey you and your will. It's where you're at and it's where we should want to be at as well, Father, to seek out what you would have us do, how we would serve you, how we would bring others to know you, Father. And we just ask that you be involved in that, God, that you guide us and that we be very much aware of what it is you would have us do, Lord. God, we thank you for the privilege that we have to come together here and to pray and to worship you, Father. And, and we just want to bring glory to your name, God, in all that we do and say. And we bring this, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll move to a time now where we respond. Because it's not just enough that two people get up and pray. But I want to give us a chance as a congregation to pray. I'm going to ask that you would continue, if you would, to bow your heads. And I want to talk to three different people, three different types of people in the room this morning. Maybe you're in this room this morning and what I said earlier, do you know the shepherd? Do you know the shepherd? Maybe you would say, you know, I, I'm chasing after all these other things and I, I don't really know him. I don't really know him this morning. I know that I'm the problem. I know that, that I'm in rebellion against God, but I just haven't turned it over to him. I haven't trusted Christ for my salvation. I haven't, I haven't repented of my sins. I haven't started clinging to Christ. If that's you this morning, and I promise I'm not going to embarrass you, if that's you this morning, would you lift up your hand? I'm not going to make you stand. I'm not going to you know, pull you in front of the church, but I just want you to be honest with yourself and honest with God. If that's you this morning, would you lift your hand? Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, you know, I'm a Christian. I've trusted Christ. He is my shepherd. But you'd say, you know, over the last few weeks, the Lord has really been working on my heart. The Lord has been moving me to a place to be on mission for Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you just say, you know, I just need, I need to be on mission. I need to be on fire. I need a renewed passion and I need God to just move in me to make me ready to share the message. If that's you, would you lift your hand this morning? Thank you for the hands and let me just say, that's probably most of us. I know that's me included. And finally this morning, I want to... You might be here and you might have been these last few weeks pricked in your heart. And the Lord has put something very special on your heart. A special way that you can serve it. I'm just leaving it broad because He knows what it is. I don't. Maybe to serve in the church. 
maybe to serve the mission outside the church, but if He has put something very special on your heart and you feel like, you know, He's just really been telling me that I need to do this thing, you know what that is, I don't. And if He's been working on you and you're just ready to say, you know what, Lord, today I'm, I'm giving all in. I'm giving everything and I'm, I'm going for what you've called me to do. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Thank you so much. What's going to happen next? And if you would just keep praying silently. Our praise team is going to sing a song. And we're going to have a song of response. And during this song of response, I would invite you, if you're one of the ones who raised your hand for any of those things, to pray, to come down and pray at the altar, to pray at your seat as the Spirit of God moves you. But we want to open these altars up. We want to have a time where we can leave our seats, where we can physically hear show externally what's happening internally inside of us. That we could come and get out of our comfortable seats and we could come and kneel. And maybe pray for, the, for God to give you a passion. Maybe come and pray that God would help you to commit to serve in special ways. Maybe to come and, and to say, Lord, I, I want to pray for my children who don't know You. I want to pray for my spouse who doesn't know you. I want to pray for my family members that don't know you. If that's you, I would ask that you come as we pray together this morning. Would you stand with us? Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood.
the Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh what a Savior Isn't he wonderful Sing hallelujah Christ is risen Bow down before him For he is Lord of all Sing hallelujah Christ is so much as we close our time here you know God has given each one of us as we talked about last week he's given each one of us a way that we could serve but let's not forget this one thing however he's called us to serve we do it together as a body you know when missionaries or evangelists or you know different people are sent out, we 
have what we call a commissioning service and a commissioning prayer. And so that's actually what we're, as we gather around and we, we uh, sing together, at the end we're going to pray, and that prayer is, is in a sense a commissioning prayer as God sends us out of this place. As He sends us out. And so I'm going to ask everyone, if you would, let's gather around the church and hold hands realizing that we're in this mission together. Now if you're sick, you don't have to hold hands, okay? Okay? 